Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I am just at the end of a trip which has taken me away from L.A. for about four or five weeks, originally to Australia and then to Asia. Um, I've been combining both consulting work and some presentations and conducting a few workshops, and uh, I'll be pleased to get back to Los Angeles later on this week. But I'm, I'm only home for a few days, and then I'm off to Louisiana, Alabama, and Tennessee giving presentations and doing a few more workshops. And all these things combined, believe me to believe, this is going to be a pretty good year. I think um, the economy is going to rebound in the second half of the year. And uh, I think if you're an entrepreneur, it's a time to be optimistic. Now, if you're listening to this show for the first time, this is a radio program. We, You know, we tell it the way it is. We bring entrepreneurs and small business leaders, the latest in information every week on what's happening in business throughout the world. And we're proud of the fact that we've been doing this now for three years, since 2011, and we are the number one radio show globally for entrepreneurs. I'm also really pleased to announce that the Voice America Radio Network and I have reached agreement this week for me to continue on air for another 13, it's for, sorry, for another 52 weeks. I um, received the confirmation from my boss in Phoenix while I was in Singapore, and uh, we commenced the Bob Pritchard radio show in 2011 on, an 11, on a 13-week trial, and we were a bit nervous for a while, but um, we have been going from strength to strength ever since, since. So I want to thank Voice America Business for having trust in me, and I'd like to thank my wonderful bosses for being so good to me. Now, entrepreneurs are getting younger and younger these days. I mean, stories of people launching startups, not only out of college, but in high school and becoming CEOs in their teens and 20s seem to pop up everywhere. But there's so many people that don't even reach college age to start successful companies. And, you know, a lot of them aren't out of their teens. They can't drive. They can't drink. They can't do anything. But they know how to become a CEO and they know how to make a lot of money. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, I love stories about teenage entrepreneurs. And I'd like to bring you a few more this week about some incredible young people that have made a name for themselves at a really, really young age. Now, when Cameron Johnson was five years old, that's five, he started selling vegetables to his neighbours. When he was nine, he launched his first business from his home. It was called Cheers and Tears. It was a greeting card company. By the time he reached 12... He was making $50,000 a year. (laughs) 
He then bought 30 Thai beanie babies. Remember when they were really hot and popular? And he multiplied his investment 10 times by selling them on eBay. Now, 13 years old, he saw the potential and turned this into a serious business by purchasing the dolls at wholesale direct from Thai and selling them on eBay as well as his Cheers and Tears website. Cameron then used $50,000 that he'd earned as seed money. <laughs> Bearing in mind, he's now 12 or 13 to kickstart his new venture called Easy Mail, a confidential email forwarding service. Within months, my Easy Mail was making him $3,000 a month in advertising revenue. He wasn't satisfied with that, so his next project was called surfingprizes.com, an advertising service that put scrolling advertising on the top of web browsers. Now, two things were really interesting about this because, firstly, users of surfingprizes.com received 20 cents per hour to have to have the ads displayed on their screen. So you'd pay them to display the ads. And secondly, when you referred um, the company, surfingprizes.com, you'd get 10% of the revenue generated by each customer they referred to the service. So at this point, Cameron is 15. But get this, at 15, he's now making $400,000 a month. <laughs> 15, 400 grand a month. God, I wish you lived next door to me. Um, and he was worth much more than, well, he was worth millions of dollars by the time he graduated high school. He then started Certificate Swap in college a company which he then sold. At 21, he was worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. Blimey. That's pretty good, isn't it? I love stories like that. Adam Hildurth is known for setting up a company called Dubbit. This UK-based social networking website was an instant success and put Hildurth firmly on the map and well on his way to success, earning him millions of dollars in the process. Dubbit went on to become one of the most popular websites in the UK, and thanks to Dubbit, Adam had made almost $4 million by 2005. He's also the man, man behind Crisp Thinking, a company specialising in online child protection technology. Today... Hildurth, now in his 20s, he's worth $50 million. Blimey. So he started when he was about 10, and now he's worth $50 million. Juliet Brindack came up with an idea of Miss Owen Friends when she was just 10, Unlike just about every other person her age, she used her entrepreneurial instincts to create something out of this idea, which is how Miss O and Friends came into being. Miss O was one of the characters from a series of drawings based on characters called the, the Cool Girls. 
aimed at being a positive role model for young girls and teens. Now, Juliet created the characters herself and spurred by the popularity that the series attracted, her family's helped her. Her mother drew the characters and her father, who was a businessman, helped set up and count the money. Juliet launched Miss Owen Friends in 2005. The website's for girls, by girls, where girls can seek advice from a supportive community and play flash games. Books based on the Miss O characters that Juliet created have sold over 100,000 copies. In 2008, Procter & Gamble invested in Miss Owen Friends, valuing the company at $15 million. Today, the website generates 10 million monthly visits, which is 20 times the traffic that generated when it was created. So now, Juliet is 23. She remains CEO of the company, and she makes it possible for girls to see their favourite celebrities and musicians play live by offering all-expenses-paid trips for them. So now 23-year-old Juliet is also a multimillionaire. You know, the one common thing about these kids is they all started at about 10. So Cameron Johnson, Adam Hildurth and Juliet Brindak, we here at the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, we salute you. Absolutely phenomenal effort. And we congratulate all entrepreneurs Firstly, just for having the guts to get out and have a go. And secondly, persevering through all the crap you have to go through to become successful. It is not easy to be an entrepreneur. It's bloody hard yakka. And, um, you know, we know that going in. But if you continue to do the right thing, you continue to invest in yourself, continue to do what what you have a gut feel is right, my belief is that you'll always succeed. You know, I've gone out on a limb a number of times and backed my judgment, um, usually with an accountant or a business advisor saying, no, 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 it's disaster. And um, often I've won, often I've lost. Fortunately, I'm still here, and that's because I've won more than I've lost. But um, it is bloody hard. So it's not easy to take a concept for idea to a viable business, and that's why we're here. You know, both in our consulting business, which is called Marketing Market Force One Business Strategies, and also on the radio side, we provide you with advice that we hope is going to make your path to success just a little bit easier. Okay, now I've got a question for you. What is more important than sex? Yeah, easy question. What is more important to you than sex? Please tweet me at the Bob Pritchard and tell me what you think is more important than sex. A survey during the week conducted by Harris Interactive asked people to list 10 things that they could not possibly live without. 
So these are 10 things that you absolutely could not, under any circumstances, live without. And it turned up some pretty surprising answers. Well, they were surprising to me anyway, <laughs> but maybe, maybe I'm just out of touch. But it seems that food is more important than sex. Well, I can understand that. We've all got to eat. Um, so food, I'll wear food. I'll cop that one. Um, but people also think that cars are more important than sex. In fact, people think cars are twice as important as sex. I think, I guess one of the logics behind that is if you don't have a car when you're a kid, where do you have sex? <laughs> you can, certainly can't go home, can you? So what else is more important than sex? Well, it seems that internet access is more important. Mobile phones are more important. So is laptops. And so is television. All much more important than sex. Sex only just knocked off the sat-nav and social networking. Bloody hell, if you had a choice between sex and a sat-nav, what sort of idiot would pick the sat-nav? I mean, where do these people come from? You know, at a moment like that, when you're having sex, you don't give a hell where you are, so you don't need the sat-nav. Even more disturbing, I found is the fact that 20% of Generation Z, now they're people born in the second half of the 90s, you know, they're 15, 18 years old, 20% of them check their smartphones during sex. Maybe they're checking their stopwatch. <laughs> God, here they are, late, late teens, at their absolute horniest, and they're checking their phones? What is the matter with these people? Somebody, if they could whip out a quick um, app version of the Karma Sutra, would probably make a fortune. Everybody could learn more tricks, and they'd probably stay away from their mobile phones. So who are the major culprits at looking at smartphones while they're having sex? Well... No surprise, it's women. 62% of women admit to checking their smartphones while having sex. 62% of women check their smartphones while having sex. Houston, we have a problem. But 48% of men also check their smartphones during sex. No wonder smartphones are more important than having sex. Take them away. If you take the smartphones away from women, what the hell are they going to do during sex? Probably nothing. Okay. Leaves me to something else that came up during the week. <laughs> Excuse the pun. It's wearables. Apple expects wearables to be worth something like $17 billion a year to them. And now HTC's jumped into wearables, releasing a new watch a bit later this year. Now, as you probably know, the biggest problem with wearables is battery life and problems with the LCD. So if somebody can solve the battery problem 
and make the phones look more attractive. At the moment, they, you know, you look like you're carrying around a television set in your wrist. Um, I reckon you'd corner the market. They're a great idea. You don't have to carry anything. You know, one of the things that I've got against the smartphone is you've actually got to carry the thing. And I know women are used to it because they carry handbags and stuff, but I'm not used to carrying anything. And I tend to put my smartphone and my glasses down and forget to pick them up. Now, we all know this hasn't been a very good week for Twitter or Bitcoin, both darlings of many, including me. I'm a big fan of both. Twitter lost $10 billion of its market value last week. You might remember it debuted at $26. It raced away to a high of $75 and is now back, I haven't checked it today, but around 50-odd. So it's double its listing price, but it's still down from its high. Uh, you know, I still believe that Twitter is a great company, and this view is um, shared by Deutsche Bank, who believes that Twitter is highly undervalued and is heading for one billion users and a whole bunch of other ways to monetize the company. It seems to me that if you've got hundreds of millions of users, and certainly if you've got a billion users, then it's relatively easy to come up with ways to monetize it. Um. The strange thing about all this is that um, Twitter's rash of share selling occurred despite the company losing less than expected. You know, people don't want companies to lose anything, but it lost less money than it was expected to lose. Its revenues exceeded expectations. It increased its user base by 9 million. And yet shares got hammered. So I remember days when if you could increase your uh, user base by 9 million, that was a great thing. But I guess our expectations are much, much higher now. Uh, Bitcoin seems to have flattened out at about 700 to $800, which I think is a great sign for the currency. Um, more and more people are taking Bitcoin. I know 5RR are taking Bitcoin now. So you can now pay with PayPal or Bitcoin. And I'm still very confident that over the next 12 months, Bitcoin is going to appreciate considerably. I don't think it's going to do anything like the $10,000 a Bitcoin that people were predicting, but I think it will certainly get up into the couple of thousands. So that'll be interesting to watch. Now, you're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, and the whole reason we're here is to assist entrepreneurs to become successful. So if you've got a question about any aspect of business whatsoever, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we'll answer it on air or we'll email you directly. We're the number one show on radio in the world for entrepreneurs, so no matter where you are at the moment on the planet, we thank you for listening. And don't forget, you can go into the archives at Voice America Business and listen to any of the shows and any of the 170-odd interviews that we've done since we began the show in 2011. So I know in a lot of the world, this um, this broadcast coming to you at, in Europe, for example, is coming to you at 1 o'clock in the morning. So um, go into the archives and have a listen. It'll be worth the visit. 
After the break, I'm going to be speaking, speaking of Europe, I'll be speaking with Carol Spears. Great lady, very entertaining, very interesting. And she's the CEO of the Carol Spears Group in London. And she's one of the leading stress management experts in the world. And you know, life's tough. Being successful is tough and extremely successful. Um, and she's got some great advice for us all. She's also the author of the bestseller, Show Stress Who's Boss. It's a great read and may just save some of us from having a heart attack. You're listening to the Bob Pichard Radio Show on Voice America Business. And now you've got me for another 52 weeks. And I'll be back with Carol in just a moment. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. This is where we give you an insight into the lives of some of the world's most interesting business people, the services that they provide, and we try to find out what it is that makes them tick. As we know, you know, the rate of change is accelerating exponentially. With the internet, we have far more competition than ever before. And most entrepreneurs and business executives are subject to very significant stress. Now, add to that the challenge of trying to balance business and family obligations. I think we've got a big crisis on our hands. This evening, I'm speaking with Carol Spears, who's the CEO of the Carol Spears Group in London, a leading UK stress management consultancy, and she's a world authority on corporate stress and a very popular BBC guest broadcaster. Carol's focus is on developing healthy workplace cultures through practical training aimed at building resilience, minimising the risk of stress and enhanced well-being. Boy, I could do with some of that. Carol has worked extensively in the UK and also in the Middle East for over 20 years and has clients such as Accenture, AstraZeneca. I launched um, Nexium for AstraZeneca in Europe. Um, Disney, Qtel, Etisalat, Dubai Cable, among a host of others. 
I love the Middle East. I, as you know, I just got back from Dubai and it was fantastic. So Carol is also the author of the best-selling book, Show Stress, Who's Boss? Carol, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Hi, Bob. Really, really nice to speak to you. And thank you very much for your invitation. It, it appears to me that with a whole lot of people being laid off due to the economy, the substantial increase in competition that most companies are facing, um, workloads seem to be increasing with most of the people that I talk to, and the need to try and have some balance in your life, which I think went out the window quite a long time ago. Um, there has, there's got to have been a significant increase in stress in most people's lives. So is there more pressure on individuals to manage their stress today rather than years ago, or do we just adapt as we go along? I think when we say talk about it more than we used to many, many years ago, it's now becoming more acceptable to talk about it. But your question to me was, is there more stress today than there, and than there was many years ago? And, okay, even though we will talk about it more and the newspapers talk about it, the media will discuss it, it becomes a hot topic of discussion. We start talking about absenteeism and presenteeism and all those kinds of issues. Yeah. But, yes, I would say that there is more stress today in industry. The frenetic pace of industry is greater. There is greater competition, whether you're working for a multinational or you're working for yourself, it doesn't make any difference. But, you know, with technology driving you, which it is, with the expectations, your own expectations driving you externally, other people's expectations of you, there are huge drivers for people these days. So, therefore, yes, I would say there is more stress to manage. Uh, we have our work-life balance, which we very often regretfully don't necessarily manage particularly well. Uh, we're tied to our Blackberries or our iPhones. We play with the kids with our phones in our pockets, yeah. uh, in our hands, shall I say, not in our pockets. And so, therefore, there's always this being called upon. It's almost like we're living in this 24-7 culture and society and working environment. And it's, it's like we just can't possibly be away from it. We're addicted to technology. And does that in its own way cause stress? Well, it can do. It's a great phenomenal thing that gives us the world at our, at our fingertips. But there's always this pressure to always be available. You know, you are there 24-7 and your boss yeah. is even at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8, 9 o'clock at night or maybe send you an email. And the chances are... You will, you're with your iPhone, and you will respond. Now, that, to me, is working out of hours. That's not switching off. I so whereas years ago, there used to be greater boundaries. I didn't now, know those boundaries are a bit more hazy. Um, is this stress mainly at the top end of the food chain, at the bottom end of the food chain, or sort of equally spread across? Because if you look at the life of CEOs... I don't, I'm not sure about the UK, but in, in the US, the life of a CEO of a, a reasonable-sized company now is about two years. I mean, it used mm. to be 10. So mm. is the stress predominantly at that level, or is it right through the whole mark, uh, workplace? Okay, I'm going to say to you, Bob, it's right through the workplace. There's no question of that. There are going to be different stressors at the top as of with middle management and line management. There'll be different stressors. 
nevertheless, uh, the stressors are there for the CEO. There's a greater accountability, greater responsibility for what they say and what they do. There's a pressure on them to succeed. They are responsible to the shareholders. They're responsible to their teams. They have to motivate people. And so, therefore, there is certainly stress at the top. And I have to say, I, I see both many, many people who experience burnout purely because they cannot handle the 24-7. They can't get off the Ferris wheel. Then you come lower down the food chain, is what you said. Yes, they come below the lower down the food chain. And then you're getting situations where uh, you're getting a situation where you get middle management who are also experiencing stress. And further down the line, which you're getting low management. Yeah. How much stress is there with a lot of people that I speak to, um, and, and, and I don't, I'm not being smart, but I don't speak to people a long way down the food chain. I'm usually speaking to people, you know, um, sort of middle management and above. How, um, how much of the stress is caused by um, worrying about your work-life balance? You know, trying to, there must be enormous stress um, from people, you know, trying to um, um, give their kids enough time and, and meet, you know, the, the expectations of being a family person. What, how much stress is that causing? It does cause stress. Uh, you know, you leave first thing in the morning, you leave at half past six in the morning to get to work on time, either to beat the crowd, to beat the rush hour, and so you can get in answer your emails. So the chances are you put in an hour and a half's work prior to even actually doing anything else. Yeah. And then you leave late at night again to try and avoid the crowds and the rush hour. And you go home, the chances are the kids are in bed, or and you're not even going to see them. So is the work-life balance all over the show? Yes, it really is. Yeah. It really is. And people aren't managing their work-life balance effectively. So therefore, it's again, I, I talk about a ferris wheel because people say that to me. It's like they're on this ferris wheel. They just can't get off. And it's just this continual process, a continual process. It doesn't mean they're not necessarily enjoying what they're doing. You tend to think, you talk about stretching out, they're enjoying it. Well, you can still enjoy what you're doing, but nevertheless, when the work gets to the point where you are then out of control with what you're doing, then the chances are then you are not enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. um... Okay. So apart from falling over with a heart attack on the train on the way to work, how do you predict stress? Or what are the signs of stress? I guess screaming at your spouse is one. (laughs) Well, yes, that is one. You you know, you you laugh about it, but actually that's a good one. But the chances are, when you're angry with your spouse or you're angry with somebody at work, you probably don't even recognize it. And if somebody says to you, gosh, you know, you're you're really angry, the first thing you'll probably say is, oh, for goodness sake, I'm not of course you are and so you don't recognize that but there are all sorts of other you can get you know anger low energy levels just tiredness all the time low self-esteem continually getting headaches sleep problems you know there's nobody nobody listening to this program who's not aware of when they wake up at three o'clock in the morning and they can't get back to sleep so the answer is you are aware of these signs and symptoms but the only question is what do you do about it? Yeah. And a lot of people think they can beat the system, but actually they can't. So therefore they, put, they push this machine. Don't forget that the human body is a machine. Right. They, they push the machine, they push the machine, they think they can beat the system, 
But actually, in reality, they can't beat the system, and that's why people end up experiencing burnout. So, if um, if I'm really stressed, and that minute manifests itself in you know being angry, but why? Presumably, I'm probably reasonably successful if I'm stressed and I'm putting in all these hours. Why does that um, lower your self-esteem? That was an interesting one, I thought. Yes, it doesn't necessarily. I'm just saying, you said you wanted some of the symptoms. Not everybody is going to experience every single symptom. Yeah. But very often people, you know, so for one person, one of the symptoms of stress could be irritability. For another person, it could be low self-esteem. It doesn't mean that when I say to you that some people will wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, it's going to affect everybody in the same way. Stress, there's the individual nature of stress. It's different for everybody. Right. So therefore, how, what one, one person may get the chest pains, another person gets indigestion. You know, it's, it's, it's different. And that's why managers sometimes find it very difficult to recognize stress in their teens because everybody's reactions are different. And okay. the symptoms are different. So if they think they've been, you know, if you train a manager, you just say, here, here, here are your symptoms of stress. That's fine. But then you have to say, but not everybody is the same. I'm sorry, human beings are different. Yeah, true. So therefore, stress affects people in different ways. You know, one person wants to be with their mates and go out and go out and go out. That's their way of showing, you know, a bit of experiencing between, you know, unwinding. For somebody else, they just want to actually go home, close the door, turn all the phones off and just lock themselves in a, in a quiet room with dark and no light. Everybody's different. And I'd say for everybody that's listening, choose what actually suits you. You know, the reactions that you're experiencing are going to be different for everybody. I just accept the fact that they're different. Okay, what if... if um, is it more effective to go and see a stress counsellor or to just give yourself more time to go to the movies, go out to a dance, go to a restaurant, practice yoga, lock yourself in a dark room? Um, or should you do both of those things? You know, I'm going to say to you, it's down to the individual. Some individuals want to actually open up and talk to somebody. So if I see somebody who comes to my counselling room and they want to talk things through, that's fine because that's right for them. But of course, I only see those people that you want to share. So therefore, if you feel that blocking it up is right for you and that's all that you want to do and you just want to go and slosh a ball and you know, hit a ball in a squash court, then that's actually what you're doing. I won't see you because I'm not going to meet you on the squash court. <laughs> but yeah. never, if the person wants to share and wants to talk things through, then I'll actually see them. For everybody, again, it, it is, it's different. I would say usually, and not for everybody, usually it is helpful to talk something through with a third party. It could be a stress counsellor. It could be a friend. It could be a trusted colleague. Sometimes, you know, we say sharing does help somebody manage their problem, and it usually does. There are the other people who are listening to your program, Bob will say, oh, I don't talk to anybody. I just get on with it. I just go and play squash. I feel much better the next morning. I guess it's fine. If that's what works for you, but we have to look at a whole range of tools. That It's almost like you've got a toolbox. You've got a whole range of tools. Which one's going to work for you? 
and she makes sure you do do something about it. That's the key. The key is not ignoring it. That's not what's going to help you. That's usually the given for everybody. But do something about it in terms of what helps you, but know what helps you. If going for a swim for an hour really helps you unwind, do it. If going to Pilates, if going to yoga, if playing the piano, going to a dance class, singing class, whatever it's going to be helps you, do it. But the problem is, Bob, people don't. Because they come home, and the usual thing is, Cal, I am so tired. And the only, uh, the only thing I can actually manage to do when I get home is to press the button for the remote on the TV. Yeah. And that's what people are saying. And then they're not, they're saying, but I don't have a life. And I'm thinking, well, are you carving out any time for yourself? And they're saying, oh, I haven't got time for that. And it's all the signs. You can, you can hear it. And then you say, are you sleeping at night? I say, no, 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 no. I go to bed at 1 o'clock in the morning, then I can't go to sleep. I'm drinking part of coffee in the evening, and I say, you know, coffee's a stimulant. And I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I say, well, do you really expect you sleeping? So it's a bit like, we're, you know, we're not looking after this machine. You know, I very often say to clients things like, imagine you're, you know, do you drive a car? They'll say to me, yes. Do you look after your car? They'll say yes. How many times a year do you service your car? Hmm, probably twice a year. And then when you get that little red light on the dashboard flickering, what do you do? And they say, oh, drive it straight to the garage to actually ask them as to what's wrong. Yeah. I say, great. So you do it for your car, but what do you do for your own body because your body is a human machine? And they go like, oh, okay, yeah. good point, next. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's what you have to deal with. The oh. signs are there. All right, a question. Well, talks to us. If you go to a counsellor and you talk it through, um, what I do, what I love to do, you know, I, I put in a fair few hours and a fair bit of stress. Um, I love to go to the movies. I love to just go to the movies, watch and just escape, just get away from the world for an hour and a half or two hours. That doesn't really address the issue, does it? All that does is give you an hour and a half's respite, doesn't it? But if you go to a therapist, aren't you actually addressing the issue of the problem? Yes, the answer is you're right. If there are underlying, there's all sorts of reasons, Bob. Is that if there are underlying reasons, ongoing underlying reasons for you uh, feeling stressed, then yes, to talk it through is going to look at cause, effect, what can you do about it? So you're going to have a greater understanding as to why. You're going to have a greater understanding of what can I do about it in terms of my whole life. How can I go into the next chapter of my life, the next year of my life, whatever that is, and actually start taking control? Because don't forget, we're experiencing stress when we're out of control. That's when we experience stress. Going to move this is short-term. It's a short-term relaxation technique, and it takes you away. You go and see a scary movie, or you go and see an action movie, or you go and see a love story, and it takes you away. And I'm going to say that's a break, and it's good. Absolutely, it is good, and not enough people will even, Bob, make time to actually do that. Yeah. Because they say, I haven't got time. And that's when you hear them, and it's not usually said like that, it's normally like, I haven't got time. Because they're not making that time for themselves. Yep, I understand. So to go to the movies and to switch off and having regular breaks is really, really important. Is it going to get to the root of uh, a stress issue? It may not, but that may be a way of you relaxing. 
in which case that's helping you along and that's what we need to do every day. We need to have regular breaks during our day, you know, pushing yourself in front of the computer, twen- uh, not 24-7, but say for tw- 11 hours a day looking at a screen, yeah. well, you'll probably end up with the osteopath because your neck hurts you and you're going to end up with back problems and you probably get problems with your eyes. Yeah. And you think to yourself, you, you know, you can do this. Well, in a way, you can short term. And it depends on how resilient your body is. It depends how good your immune system is. And if you keep bashing and bashing away, the chances are your immune system's not that good. The chances are you're not that resilient. Just start going down with coughs and colds and flu. And then you just say, oh, well, I catch everything. Yeah. question is, yeah. why? Why do you catch everything and the guy next to you is not? Because the guy next to you is actually looking after his body. He's actually going for a run every day. He's actually getting proper sleep at night. He's not drinking coffee all day and every day. He's actually <laughs> managing his emotions. Yeah. So there are reasons. And he makes time for himself. And he knows when to say no. And he knows how to switch his phone off. So there's no miracles here. It's, it's all quite straightforward. But, you know, your first question to me was, is there more stress today? Yes, because there are more, uh, there's more things out there that are pulling us away from looking after ourselves. Not because there aren't things that we can do, because there's a whole range of things that we can do. But we tend to get so caught up with everything else that we don't make time for us, a little old us. We don't do that. Okay, it's obvious that... It's in the employer's interest to keep their staff as happy and healthy as possible to minimise sick days, maximise ROI, etc., etc. So what can the employer do to help minimise employee stress? Right, well, first of all, the employer needs to be aware of their own management style, meaning not every employer communicates with their employees in a way that actually helps the employee to manage their stress. So they push them, they pressurize them, they bully them. All of those tactics are not going to get the most out of anybody. So therefore, if if this is the uh, nature of the organization, they're going to be driving, driving, and driving. I mentioned the word presenteeism before, which is the opposite of absenteeism. Presenteeism is when an individual has that feels the need to be working all the time, and that's the pressure on them that comes from the organization. Right. So therefore, it's up to the employer to ensure what they are, that what their company is offering is a healthy workplace culture. What is a healthy workplace culture? It's where pe- the organization is actually being aware that people need to be looked after. They're not just a human machine. They're a human being. They have feelings. They get upset. They, 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 they um, enjoy being told, thank you very much. They enjoy being recognized. They enjoy being valued. They enjoy being told you did a great job rather, being, rather than being castigated and being told you just did rubbish. So you can actually get loyalty, buy loyalty, and I'm not talking with money, but yeah, you no, can get loyalty you know, back to you time and time again by little things like, thank you so much, I really appreciate what you did, you stayed late. And, you know, those are the sorts of things which actually build a healthy workplace culture. You want a place where people want to come to work. We know people are paid to go to work. We know that. But you're going to get far more from your team with less stress if you act the person feels valued when they come in. It's nice to see you. Did you have a nice weekend? 
And how many managers do I speak to say, I haven't got time for that, Carol. I haven't got time to communicate. Yeah. And I'll say, but David, you haven't got, you can't afford not to communicate. Because you're asking me how to actually de-stress your workforce. Yes, you can have fun days. Yes, you can take people out on outings. And yes, you can give them some vouchers at Christmas time. But actually, I'm talking about an ongoing basis of actually so the person feels valued. Regular. And that's a part yeah. of building this healthy workplace culture. Okay. Now, I know that you travel around the world, as, as do I, and uh, I know you spend a lot of time in the Middle East, particularly Dubai and Abu Dhabi. I love both those places. I must admit, I got back, gave some speeches up there a few weeks ago and uh, actually broadcast the show from there. I love it. Now, it is... The causes of stress different, um, for example, in the Middle East to Europe or for other places around the world? I would say I've been working out now in the Middle East, mainly, as you say, Dubai and Abu Dhabi for the past 10 years. Mm. And I particularly, I fell in love with the place and I went out there 10 years ago. I was on a speaking tour at the time. I ended up in, in, in Dubai. I just fell in love with it. And I decided then that I was going to put my roots down in, in the Middle East. Right. And I work very, very hard in that region in terms of getting to know the culture. Now, the culture, which will answer your question now, is in some ways slightly different to what we have in Europe insofar as you're dealing with a workforce who are usually on short-term contracts. People yeah. who are, there's a frenetic pace of life, particularly in Dubai, particularly in Dubai, there's a very, very fast, frenetic, frenetic pace of life. Uh, high expectations uh, of individuals. And there's, there seems to be this feeling as of, well, if one person can't deal with the stress and the pressure of what's going on there, well, then there's somebody else outside the door waiting to come in. And they're right. Then there is. They're dealing with a, a, a workforce who is really going from one place, who's only there for a short period of time. So they don't necessarily uh, have the loyalty factor that comes through because people are there for a year. So whereas in, in Europe and the UK, I'd say is that we have more of that loyalty factor because people aren't working quite so much on short-term contracts. It doesn't mean that we haven't changed in the UK because we have, and there really isn't now. There's no such thing as a job for life. But it's not quite in the same way as what I'm experiencing out in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Right. And I would say that there's this greater pressure in terms of, uh, of having to, of achieving and doing. Also in the region, people find it very difficult to say no. Because it's a bit like, if I say no, you'll think I can't cope. If you think I can't cope, then you won't want me to stay. And if you don't want me to stay, then I lose my job and I've got to go home and et cetera, et cetera. So therefore, there are additional pressures, pressures that go with, you know, that actually do go with that. And it's highly competitive, which I know the States is competitive. Australia, we know it's competitive around the world. But still, I would say that what I'm experiencing uh, in the Middle East, and particularly those two countries that I mentioned, there is a greater pressure on that individual. They are, some of them are quite stressed. I can believe it. And it doesn't mean that people don't switch off, and they can, but one of the reasons I'm working out there as much as I am is because they want the tools. Give us the tools to do the job, and don't forget that in some ways they are not where we are in terms of their management skills and tools. So, therefore, what I'm teaching them, and I'm running right by our masterclasses there, or I speak at conferences, I'm talking about some of the tools that we've been using over here for a little while, and I'm taking them over there and I'm adapting them but they are working 
and they really want to get the most out of their people, particularly the the Emiratis who are the local, sure. you know, the local yeah. people. The Emiratis really want to grow. The women in particular, I do a lot of programs with the women, which is an absolute joy. And these are where these are the women who really want to become business women, who are not quite sure how to rise. What you know, they know they want to un- unleash this potential, but they're not quite sure how to do that. And so I go over with shortcuts and tools and experience. And they, you know, they they love it. They absolutely love it insofar as it helps them to grow. That's what I mean by that. It helps them to grow. And they tell me that they feel enriched by that. And it's very satisfying. It's very, very satisfying. I'm sure that's true. Carol, we are really short of time. So um, I did want to mention that your latest book, Show Stress Who's Boss, is on sale through the Middle East and um, is being translated into Arabic, and I guess that explains why. It's been great to speak <laughs> to you. I'm sorry, I've probably, I've probably taken you away from your favourite television show because I know at night it's 9 o'clock or something in London. So it's yeah, been great bye. speaking with you. Now, if you're listening and you'd like to know more about stress and more about Carol, go to her website, it's Carol with an E, C-A-R-O-L-E, Spears, S-P-I-E-R-S, group.com. So Carol Spears group.com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice American Business immediately after this short break. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show, where we give you advice that we think you need to make your business successful. Doesn't matter whether you're a startup or you're a mature company, we believe that our advice and the advice from our guests will help you with that success. Due to a great response that we've been receiving from our listeners, the final segment of today's show is again totally dedicated to emails and asking your and answering your questions. I think the the reason that this segment's so popular is that irrespective of the size of your business, no matter what what you do, um, we've all got the same issues. Big companies, small companies, plumbers, electricians, tech companies, um, we've all got the same challenges in being successful. So even though I might be answering an email from the owner of a company who makes window frames, the answer that I give you will probably, most likely, be also applicable to you in your business. So don't forget, if I read your email on air, I'll send you out a copy of my book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition. And this book will give you the 
about 18, I think, invaluable keys that are required to make any business, no matter what it is or where it is, a success. They're put very simply, and there's lots of examples. So, um, you know, you've got a, a really strong guide to follow. My first email today is from Joanne Elliott, who's a computer analyst from Hoboken, New Jersey. And Joanne writes, Dear Bob, I've just finished reading your book. It has helped me a lot. At our Chamber of Commerce meeting last week, the speaker talked about the importance of developing your personal brand. I've never heard of this before. Do you think it's important? Well, Joanne, first and foremost, Hoboken, New Jersey, is where my publisher is. Wiley's, which is biggest business pub publisher in the world, book publisher in the world, is right there in Hoboken, New Jersey. So um, everybody's got a personal brand that uh, reflects on the way that you're perceived by friends, by the outside world, and um, it'll affect what jobs you might get, getting a promotion, um, getting a sale, or lots of other things will depend on your personal brand. And it's determined by everything you do from the way you present yourself to the tone and the content of even emails, for example, the way you speak, your resume, online profiles. It's, it's formed by every single thing you do. And many people have a problem with people who self-promote and um, other people don't like promoting themselves. In some professions like mine, and with many other people who are self-employed, self-promotion is absolutely essential. No one's going to hire a speaker, a business consultant or a radio host, unless you tell people about yourself and why they should hire you. You know, if you're just a little wallflower, why the hell would anybody want to hire you or want to do anything with you? They want to know what you do, what you're good at, and what benefits you'll be to them. And how do you do that if you don't promote yourself? I'm not sure, but I know there are a lot of people who um, don't like people who self-promote. Now, if you self-promote, you run the risk of being seen as brash, um, conceited, arrogant, and it's a hard line to walk. Um, If I had a dollar for all the people that think that I'm arrogant and up myself, then I'd be pretty rich. It does depend where you live. You know, if you're in the UK or Australia, people don't applaud success, unfortunately. In the US, people applaud success, and that is one reason why entrepreneurs flourish. And uh, you you hear often about uh, people say, you know, I don't like Americans, they big note. Well, the reason America's got 40% of all the money in the world is because (laughs) they do it right. So I think the key is to know your strengths, your commitment and your passions, and then you've got to showcase them. Don't sell yourself as something that you're not, but I reckon you should sell yourself as hard as you can, as matter-of-factly as you can. The same as any brand like a Coke or a Twitter or whatever else, you need to constantly monitor, update, and tweak your brand. 
you know, ask others to describe your brand. If people, if you were um, a brand, which you are, you know, how would people describe you? Is it positive? Google yourself. See how other people talk about you. Joanne, the bottom line is, in my view, a personal brand is not only important, it's critical um, to build. And it doesn't matter whether you're an employee or whether you're self-employed. You need to promote that personal brand. And don't worry about what other people think. You know, um, I, our organization self-promotes me all the time because that's how I make a living. So it's not about, um, you know, it's no different than if you're a motor car. You go out and you tell people how good you are and people buy you. Um, if you're a business person or if you're like me, you're a speaker or an author or whatever, then you've got to go out and tell people why to buy you. Otherwise, they won't. Now, since you've got a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, I'm going to send you a copy of Marketing Magic, which is a book that I wrote with um, Brian Tracy, um, Jay Conrad Levinson, uh, Robert Bly, and a bunch of others. I think it's a great book, and I'm sure that you will like it. Our second email is from Arnborg Ellotson, who has a print shop in Gutenberg, Sweden. And Arnborg writes, I really enjoy your show, and I'm listening to the archive shows, trying to implement as many ideas ideas as I can into my business. I'm looking for a new staff member and I have several really good candidates. How do I go about selecting the right one for the job? And well, that is a damn good question. In my day, I've made some great hiring decisions and I've also made some tragic ones. So there's no easy answer to that question, but I do have a few tips that may be helpful to you. Firstly, you really need to understand the role that you need the person for. What do you expect them to do? And the best way to find potential applicants is through your network. But if you do advertise, collect and review a number of resumes. Most importantly, speak to the referees and gauge whether or not you believe they're being honest because a lot of people will tell you a bunch of crap. Check their social website. That is a fantastic indicator of what sort of person they are. Facebook photos in particular can be extremely revealing. The next step is to get the best candidate in for an interview. I always try to throw them off balance so they can't sort of rehearse, give me a rehearsed answer. Take them for a walk. Ask them to come for a walk around the block. Say, what's your favourite film? What's your favourite music? And I know this is being judgmental, but if their favourite music's is Johnny Rotten and their favourite movie is um, Freddy Friday the 13th, we are not going to be compatible and I am not going to hire them. Um, finally, always let them spend time with the rest of your staff because that's the team they have to work with and uh, they need to have the same motivation and drive. So we here at the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, we're all about helping small business to become more successful and profitable. Don't forget, I want to hear from you. So visit my website at bobpritchard.com got a new website going up next week sign up for my newsletter email me tweet me become my friend on linkedin and tell me what it is that you want me to talk about so that's it from me today this is bob pritchard i look forward to broadcasting again this time next week from my hometown in los angeles 
You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.